Welcome to the first episode of Against Domestication. I'm TA. My biggest influences are Marx, Max Stirner, Jack Kamat. Uh, my biggest, like, what is it? Targets would be capitalism, patriarchy, mm, heteronormative society, all of that. Uh, I regularly advocate for gender abolition. I make fun of Leninism. I, I'm against anything that tries to basically tell me what to do. Okay. Now, what about you, Ezra? Hi, hello, I'm Ezra. Uh, I'm a Marxist. Uh, my greatest influences are Marx and Luxembourg and a little bit of Lenin. Um, and I'd say my target is just um, trying to, like Tasa, trying to get rid of a lot of the heteronormality uh, in today's society, as well as the capitalist mode of production. Okay, what about you, Ken? Um, well, I'm a ultra-leftist. My biggest influences are definitely the Situationist International with things like Guy Debord and other writers of that era, and also um, Bordega and others. And then, personally, I'm mostly against capitalism and also racism. Wow, you're against racism. That's so quirky. Wow, okay. you're so... Okay, now, Block. Um, hi, I'm Block. Uh, I'm a council <laughs> communist. My my biggest influences are Marx, Panacoke, uh, Bordega, Lenin, and Luxembourg. Uh, my biggest targets are capitalism. Uh, I support race and gender abolition and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. What I want to, like, I want to, I'll say my first piece, but I'll ask everyone else, uh, what do what do y'all think we can, like, hope to achieve by, like, running this podcast? Because, like, other podcasts, they all usually have, like, some kind of point, right? Like, a central mm -hmm. point of that what they're trying to get across. Uh, I personally want it to be, like, a source where we can, like, make theory more digestible so that people don't go to people like Vosh, for example. Like, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Like theory more digestible and easily like obtainable. What do y'all think? Um, so per I really like the idea of like teaching different ideas that maybe you understand at first, and maybe things that like you usually won't hear about. Some more far out ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of yeah. uh, think that making some ideas that aren't necessarily as mainstream is really important because you hear right. a lot about. You know, this Marx-Leninist line or anarchist, and there's a lot more than just, you know, those two. Mm -hmm. I agree mostly with the Marxist-Leninist and, like, social anarchist thing. Like, those two, like, lines, like, on, within, like, well, I guess, quote-unquote, leftist discourse is always, it's always the upholding the line of either you need to read The Conquest of Bread or you need to read State and Revolution and yeah. badly understand it. That's, um, <laughs> that's the a line that basically leftist discourse upholds for the most part but what i'm noticing like within like i guess you could consider it like leftist instagram would be like a, sh a shift almost right like mm -hmm. do you guys notice that like marxism leninism is becoming like less popular on that like yeah. side I mean, i've like, seen a lot that? i've seen a lot more of like traditional marxist or like left comms and stuff at the moment Mm -hmm. That's what I'm seeing yeah, personally. I I see the same thing, but I mean, Instagram does not represent right at all. Definitely, no, definitely. Yeah. But like, uh, 
no, even with that though, I'm seeing like a growth in like organizations that are like not typically uh yeah. traditional leftists. <clears throat> Liberty Socialist yeah. Front. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely that aren't typically like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see organizations that aren't like ML, you know? Mm-hmm. Like become popular again in the in the groups that are like C, cpg bml groups like that aren't popular like at all like they all they all have like they all all they do is go into the streets and start waving stalin banners like that's not helpful and they're larping and that's obvious um especially and they with the whole fucking scandal they people. pulled yeah yeah so um they don't connect with like the American populace that much because like most Americans don't like. The about C- no, the, the CPG like is Britain. Yeah, but I'm just talking in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, like, if y'all didn't notice this, if I, I looked it up like the other day, like sales for books for like the Society of the Spectacle have actually gone up like a lot this year. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah. Why? Why this year? I have yeah. no idea, but like, notice like it kind of coincides with like, th- like this year has been a whack. Like, there's been like almost four y- wars, like almost because of like you know, yeah. and there's been Corona. There's been uh, what is it? Almost th- almost economic recession or possible economic recession like three times, like. This is a crazy... I honestly think 2020 is going to be a revolutionary decade. Does anyone else agree with that? I'd say it'll definitely push people to more radical ideas. I don't know about leftism in general, but just like more out of mainstream politics. Well, I hope it doesn't push them to leftism personally, but hope it pushes them to an actual liberationist idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Okay, so... Made you sound like a fucking crypto fash right there. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want them to go to leftism. I just want them to be liberatory. No, I mean like, okay. We honestly, that's a good idea for like an episode of some sorts. We could have like an an, an episode explaining the anti-leftism idea because like it seems to be a trend on Instagram that most people don't actually understand what it means. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. Sure. Uh, on top of that, like I noticed, I noticed another thing. Uh, hold up, I'm gonna pull it up right here. Like sales for for like revolutionary books recently have been like really high. Like I mentioned that before, but like society, it's not just society of the spectacle. Like most like revolutionary books are being sold like really highly right now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It it's might strange. coincide with the fact that like everyone's stuck in the house and shit, so all they have is like time. Yeah, they all every, they all have time, so like yeah. now's the perfect time to like start reading about why are things like the way they are. Yeah, yeah and and I think people are starting to get fed up with the fucking politicians' bullshit. Oh yeah, about, Joe Biden. In, in, yeah, yeah, Joe Biden. Oh. We don't need a revolution. We need uh, stability. But like, even the stability that he promises isn't going to be stable. <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's promising us. He's promising a stable capitalism, which is impossible. Like what? Remember when Bernie dropped out in like on Instagram? We were all like offering. What is it? 
we were offering support to the Bernie bros who were yeah. radicalizing to one side or the other for needs and help because they needed answers because they're like, why is the system treating us like this? We're offering yeah. like not even like that much. We're not, we're not like, we're not asking for that much, I should say. And they're yeah. like, why are they treating um, us like this? Mm-hmm. What's going I, on? I also kind of want to bring this back on the topic. I've been having some people, um, I don't think necessarily attack me, but they've been pretty hostile with the fact of um, my anti-voting position saying that if you don't vote, you're lazy. And I just mm-hmm. want to kind of touch on that, saying that I don't... <laughs> I, I brought up the oh, fact that you know, minorities um, you know, disproportionately do not vote slash aren't allowed to vote. And mm-hmm. there's a reason for that because they've become disillusioned with the system because it doesn't do anything. And some of the other things you've said to me too, uh, Ta. But like they just kept clapping back with like, uh, "Oh, well, they're forced to not vote, so it's it, it doesn't matter." They're, they basically, they're not they basically, not yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, they had basically said because I'm white, I should vote. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. If yeah, the way I see it, the way I see it right. It's even if you're you should be sympathizing with their struggles and doing and doing what's the best for them. And we all live in settler colonial nations. We all live in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all live in the United States. It's a settler nation that oppresses indigenous people and people of color and like sexual minorities and everything. Why would we vote and leg- support that system regardless of what it's going to do if it benefits us? Like what? And another thing, yeah. I think we're all impossibilist, right? Yeah, everyone here. Sure. Yes. I mean, okay. I'm not sure so, like, what that means, but um, you, you are. Don't think, you don't think voting can like really do harm reduction, and it won't further leftist movements, essentially. Oh yeah, then I guess I'm a possibilist. Okay. Yeah. If you're a left and you're voting for people like Biden or whatever, you're like, if pe- if Biden was, wouldn't that just revert to the same thing that got tr- people a person like Trump in power in the first place? You know what I mean? Because it's just going back to the same normality. Okay. Like, the way I see it, they br- they like to bring up this Overton window argument, right? It's like, the Overton window since, like, McCarthy and even, what is it, FDR, because FDR oppressed Japanese people and didn't end segregation or anything like that. The... Ah, uh, the window just kept shifting more and more to the right. And it was already pretty starting off pretty, like, I guess, quote unquote, right wing when the U.S. started. It already started there and it just kept going more and more to the right. It ne- And it's never going to stop ever. It's just going to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And it won't stop until. Like, there's no the difference between fascism and liberalism is that fascism hides its reactionary ideas. No, not fascism doesn't hide its reactionary ideas. The liberalism attempts to hide it and like sugarcoats it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like hides it behind marketing and like... And then, and also mm-hmm. on that, as, as soon as like liberalism or capitalist democracy starts to fail, they'll replace it with, you know, very authoritarian regimes and stuff to make sure those power structures don't fall apart right yeah it does what it needs to to survive it it as soon as like liberalism becomes bad for the u.s they'll replace it immediately with something like 
something fascist adjacent, which is actually exactly what happened with Donald Trump, if you notice, right? He, uh, the, the liberalism, people were becoming disillusioned with the smiling face of Obama, right? right. The smiling face on capitalism. They replaced it with a more fascistic adjacent, adjacent uh, face a that right could... A right-wing populist who was like, didn't mm-hmm. spoke his mind and yeah. didn't really care what people thought about him, basically. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was very open about his views. He was very open. He didn't try to hide it. And that's the thing. And that scares people. So people want to, quote unquote, go back to normal. But we have to show them that normal was never really that great in the first place. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that allowed for him to come in power in the first place. So mm-hmm. that doesn't really fix anything. Mm-hmm. He just goes straight back. Especially, especially for other... Um... Or others, uh, my, especially minorities in uh, really poor neighborhoods, the situation hasn't changed for them for like decades. I mean, you look at, uh, f- for example, Flint, Michigan. Um, even under Obama, their fucking water was still shit. Under Trump, their, their their water is still shit. And I have no doubt that under possibly another four years, or even if you know this does happen, another four or uh, four years of Biden, their water will still be shit. Because the system isn't trying to help them; it's just trying to get those politician points. It's trying to seem like the friendly face of the world. The United States Empire is trying to keep up its face of the friendly policeman of the world, and it's failing. And everyone's realizing that. Mm-hmm. The U.S. will do whatever it needs to to maintain its hegemony, and it will do what it wants to. It will what it needs to do. To maintain its hegemony, like the U.S. is realizing this, they're either going to need to go, they need to go take a sharp turn to social democracy, or they need to take a sharp turn towards fascism. They need to do what it needs, they'll do what it needs to to survive. Well, I mentioned this to someone else. They were like, they mentioned, I mentioned this to someone else. Capitalism is like a sponge. It does what it needs to, not like a sponge, like, like you guys know that slime, right? Like that, that one that one thing that was like popular with like middle schoolers yeah uh what yeah. You, like yeah. what what's slime I, i'm not following okay it was like a little toy that's that you can make that stretches okay. okay so it capitalism will stretch as far as it needs to but will never actually change it'll just assume that it changed and its core mode of production will prevail it'll just make it seem like it but it's still the same thing mm-hmm. it just stretches mm-hmm it needs to be it's it's a system that needs to be grabbed by the horns that's why i'm very critical of when radlib's like oh let's kill, just kill all the bourgeoisie like okay but then what then what we're still going to have the same system it'll still be here mm-hmm. but like it's just you won't have bourgeoisie the capitalism doesn't need the bourgeoisie the bourgeoisie need capitalism mm-hmm. right cuz then it just ends up getting replaced with some other you know some other people and that's space nothing got changed Mm-hmm. It well, yeah, this system doesn't need people. It's a system that's very self-reliant and it's very like smart almost. Like it's mm-hmm. relying on itself. Like it, it's been mm-hmm. around for this long. It knows how to it knows how to maintain itself. And it's very self-destructive and very like suicidal. It it hurts itself with its contradictions all the time and it doesn't know what it needs to do to survive, but at the same time it does know what it needs to do to survive and it can get away with all of it. What um I think one of uh the uh mis- one mistake that 
Marx made, especially in his early works. I think he started to realize it in his late works, though. But like in his early works, he didn't quite realize capitalism's uh, ability to grow and adjust with its surroundings and how just how far that can go. Well, yeah, in his later works, like in his earlier works with like the Communist Manifesto and like all of that. It saw it looked more like we all we would need to do is collectivize everything and capitalism would yeah. be fixed. You notice that like after the Paris Commune and after that, yeah, that's, like, capital. that's capital, yeah, for example. Yeah, capital and all that. Marx was like, Marx started to more and more disagree with that position. It was like, no, capitalism's a lot smarter than what it looks like. It needs to. Yeah. Um, it it's a lot. How does it explain it? It's more sustainable almost like it can mm. do what it needs to do and it's smarter and, and even then capitalism was in its progressive era like it was going fire uh, like uh, not fire more up if that makes sense okay. yeah it was exponential it was, exponential. Along, it, it, was growing. I, I, it was starting to it was starting to spread across the world because there was that's when like feudalism was still there yeah i, I also I, I think uh that capitalism to be at its prime needs a strong state and whenever you have that strong state in terms of imperialism you know neo-colonial empires that's whenever capitalism can be at its height but then after world war ii whenever people started to be like hey this shit kind of sucks and you know it was either keep capitalism but make it more progressive or socialism then you started to see a slow decline in capitalism of course you still saw the boom after world war ii but Ever since World War II, shit has just been going down and down and down and down. Because and also, there, there are I fewer... I kind of disagree with that, Ezra. I would okay. say that the capitalism's progressive era ended like world, like when the 1917 and all of those revolutions failed. I would say that's when the progressive era ended and we started to see capitalism and it's more like... Like, I would say... Would you say... I don't want to use decadence because decadence theory is a little, a little iffy, but like... I don't know. It's, it's more of its, its modern final form. form. Yeah, yeah, its final form. That's where we saw capitalism in its final form. I would say late stage. One, late stage. Yeah, late stage. That works. Um. Okay. So, right now we're seeing like a lot of economic issues and stuff start propping up, right? Correct. So but yeah, the World War II boom helped all the countries and stuff economically because, well, at least especially the U.S. So the U.S. hasn't had to deal with the issues that are inherent to it for while because of this boom but now it's starting to the boom starting to die and it's starting to show its issues again in the u.s mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah i think um i think i actually uh now that i have thought about it, i think you are more correct ta but mm-hmm. um i still think that um in terms of uh wait did, yeah okay we're still here um i think in terms of because capitalism needs conflict to survive and uh if you ask any honest historian um especially my fucking history teacher who actually was like full-on like he he may be like kind of you know center right but at least he's honest with capitalism and so he he was talking about how the only reason why the u.s got out of the great depression was because of world war ii and i think that capitalism is longing for a big conflict for that you know to get get another big boom and i don't know if that's going to happen because it mobilizes the industry and stuff and it makes it so that the industry can build things and then 
be sold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, capitalism is an immense accumulation of commodities. Marx points this out in the first page of Capital. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? I would say that... Hmm, that's the way I could point it out. I would say that capitalism needs to commodify as much as it can. Like, it will, you know, we all know if there's a, and this is the problem I have with like almost Leninism too. I Leninism has been commodified and capitalism has adopted what it needs to do to take on Leninism into its system. Uh, capitalism evolves and changes with every revolution that has come against it evolves and changes to adjust what it needs to do that's why we always need to be constantly coming up with new methods to take it on right it's like uh -huh. a fucking disease it adapts the more you try to mm -hmm. like cure it and the more <laughs> used to it you get it mutates and speaking mm -hmm. of which this is also another issue with like market market quote-unquote socialism and those type of mm -hmm. things where it still keeps the capital form is that it's still allows for things to be commodified and it still allows for imperialism to happen because it doesn't get rid of those issues. Mm -hmm. It, um, what it does is it like that. Actually, this is one of my problems I have with like any like quote unquote ideology that like, that has already been like well That's tested and like used against capitalism is like, Capitalism's already evolved after you've tried it, and it's already it knows how to adjust and fix itself to make sure it doesn't. You can't do that again. Oh. So, like, for example, uh, vanguardism. It knows what it needs to do against the vanguard party. It knows what it needs to do. It knows how to take it on. Uh, now, for for like council communism. Uh, this one's gonna hit a little close to block here. <laughs> With the workers' councils, it can try to seep its influence into those workers' councils while in the dual power stage. That's my way I see it. And uh, I would ask, what do you suggest would be a good method of? Right. Well, we would have to. I think honestly, we what this what can't really be commodified. Almost is the creation of situations where people escape from the spectacle of capitalism, and such, to uh, where they, for like a little bit, escape that sorts of alienation and escape from it. Uh, yeah, that's that. That would be my uh, interpretation. I'm not really. Uh, I, th I think this is probably a different discussion for a different day. But I definitely think I would like to hear any. Uh, um, what 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 is it? Any uh, alternatives that you would suggest that could actually work? Yeah, same. Because I'm not very well read on that subject. Definitely, we could definitely do an episode on the creation of situations and the Situationist International. If that's right. if that sounds like something y'all would be interested in, we could definitely do an episode on that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else that we got to talk about? I don't know. I don't think that. I think we can wrap it up there. I think we did a good job. 